Welcome to the Unwritten Playbook, where we talk to interesting people who are rejecting a status quo and paving a new way. This is your host, Megan Bowen. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Michael Eckstein, LinkedIn's cutest accountant. He's super funny and we dig into a great topic. The idea that if you're building a small business, you should not take advice from larger companies. Everything is different. People should be focused on evaluating their context and making decisions that make sense for them, not necessarily following the big co best practices. I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as we did. Now to this episode. All right, Michael, we have known each other for 18 minutes now, but I feel like I've known you for, I don't know, maybe like an hour and a half. Um, it's been a good so, 18 minutes. I, I would know. call it two hours, but yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for that. Well, you know, each of us perceive this, this whole introduction differently. So, but we're, cl- we're close yeah. enough. We're close Einstein, enough. Einstein, relativity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kick us off though. Cause I'm excited to get into this. Cause I think we both have a different lens to, to kind of break down this topic today uh, and do a little ranting and raving. Um, yeah. What is the status quo that you reject and why do you reject it? So I think small businesses, like true small businesses, not the SBA definition where they're massive, but true small businesses should ignore big business and like startup culture and really focus on how they can use their small business as a tool to help achieve their personal dreams. Right. And I guess what I kind of mean by that is while business, big business and startups may have good advice, it doesn't always align with the goal that a small business owner came out with, right? For mm-hmm. example, big business, like Fortune 500 values, absolute stability, profits, and you know shareholder returns. Startups value moving fast, breaking things, raising capital, and exits, right? And sometimes the advice reflects that. And that isn't exactly what small businesses are looking for. Right. And I think small businesses really have to take a step back and see, you know, what am I looking for? What is my personal goal? How can I use my business to make that happen? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I think that, um, you know, over the course of my career, I've been in a lot of different types of startups at varying stages, you know, from sort of early to scaling phase. I've been a part of IPOs. I've been a part of acquisitions. And so I've seen you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly in that. And I think in my main observation has been, there are some key stages that companies go through. And so you have your early stage startup where you don't even have product market fit, right? Like we don't even know at this point if what we're doing is actually going to work and what you need to do within that period of time um, is really like, figure out the problem you're solving. And if the solution that you have, um, you know, meets a real need and you can actually get customers, right? So you're, everything you're doing is really to, to figure out if you have some semblance of product market fit. Then you have companies where they figured that out pretty well or good enough. Um, and, you know, they have 5 million in revenue, 10 million in revenue. It's like, okay, now you need to figure out, okay, how do I take this business that I have that has some traction and really begin to scale it to the next phase, right? Mm -hmm. A whole different set of challenges in there. Then when you get to 50 million, 100 million plus, then you have a whole nother, it's a whole nother context that you're in. At that point, you're in scaling mode. You're, you're, you know, you care about efficiencies, you care about profitability, you care Mm -hmm. about all of these things. And, you know, I think one of the biggest, um, 
impacts that I've seen of, of what you're talking about is a lot of times these early, early stage startups, whether they're in like the figuring out product market fit phase or sort of in the growing phase, they'll pick these like superstars from like the big co's, right? Like, oh, the VP of sales from that company or the head of marketing from that company. You see, so you pop someone that is, ha, has been really successful in that environment. And then you pop them into a startup and then they're mm-hmm. just running the playbook that they ran at a yeah. hundred million dollar company and none of it works. Right. And then they last 18 months, they get fired, they have to start all over. And that can sometimes even be the kiss of death for, for a startup, but it happens all of the time, which is crazy. Have you, and then maybe this is a little bit of a different lens than, than where you were going with it, but I don't know if you've seen that or, or what are some of the other like ramifications that you've seen from, from people making this mistake? What I see is on the small business fit level, and like you can see it a lot in the advice people, I guess, kind of repeat and regurgitate a lot, is that it just doesn't quite fit. Like, for example, startups are, I don't want to say obsessed, but one of the main goals is to have a successful, profitable exit, right? It's either to break into a market and become a a market dominator or to exit and someone buys you out. And it's kind of like those kinds of things have bled into the small business environment. Everyone's just kind of like, oh, I'll just have an exit and retire. But the thing is those startups are positioning for the exit. Everything about it, they're trying to optimize for the exit to be as sellable as possible, just so another company can be in and be like, we don't want to compete with you, we're just going to buy you, right? And they just buy it and they're like, you're now a division of us, right? And they just kind of throw it into their big company. But you'll have a small business that's just an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah, it's profitable. Yeah, it's making a good living, but it's an absolute dumpster fire. It needs the owner. There's no systems in place. There's no proper record keeping in place. And it's just like, who's going to come in and buy that, right? Maybe a firm wants to come and just like kind of gobble up your clients or something. But it's just like, if you're not optimizing that same advice where you're kind of positioning for exit doesn't work because you missed the important part. Right. And it's all sorts of things like that. Just advice that was, they missed the why, like, for example, why do startups take on equity investors? Cause that's the best way to get the money, you know, that they need, right. They can give away equity that's worthless and they can get $50 million. Well, when you do it on the small business level, first off, you don't get as much money. And then second off, cause you're not going to blow up and exit like a startup is now you're stuck with an equity investor that was unnecessary. And you got to put up with their BS for the rest of forever. Right now they have input. Now they have all these things. And that's what people don't realize in startups, you know, these VCs and stuff, they get input. They get to come in and like say stuff. They have an opinion. You have to put up with it. And when someone gives you $50 million, I'll put up with their opinion. When someone gives you like 20 grand, it's just like, eh, you know, so that kind of thing. Yeah. It's true. You know, and after, um, in my career, I was at five different, you know, B2B sort of SaaS tech startups in in New York, all VC backed. And I think, um, you know, there are some, um, like real positives, but real negatives in the model, right? Like obviously when you have the extra capital, it allows you to move quickly, invest in product development, you know, invest for your growth, um, you know, knowing that you're going to burn for a while until you can Mm -hmm. catch up. Um, and you know, some, there are some businesses that might never have gotten to where they were without having, you know, that capital and that as as a growth lever for them. I think on the other side though, is, um, 
all sorts of companies. And honestly, like right now it's a little bit insane. Like, um, the, like the VC investment that's happening, Mm. like the acquisitions that we're seeing. Um, I think after like everything being bottled up in the pandemic, people are just like going crazy right now. And I don't know if all of these decisions are, are sound or or the right ones. Um, but I think like on the negative side, like I, I do think that the VC model to your point with like the investors having oversight and pressure, um, it really creates like a, in a, a, the conditions for a lot of startup founders to make really, um, you know, decisions that are more short-term focused, right. Um, or decisions to appease an investor, which might even be mm-hmm. in conflict with what the company is actually trying to do. And right now what I'm doing with Chris at refine labs, you know, we're bootstrapped. We have no outside yeah. investment. Um, you know, we're covering our costs with the revenue that we're making. Um, is it hard? Yeah. <laughs> do we have constraints? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, um, it's really nice to, um, have have that control and be able to do what you believe is right. Um, him and I are very values aligned. We really play the long game. We think very long term. Um, and I think after living all of the different lives I've led at the startups, and now that I'm here, I think um, I've learned so much from that experience. Um, but I think this is like, I, I think like it's cool to build a small business from scratch and like, you don't need a major exit and right. like the control is really nice. And there's a freedom um, to it. Absolutely. And you can mm-hmm. still take, like, I'm a startup person, right? Like there are many things that we do that are like startups. Right. And then there are many things that we do that are not. Um, and, and the reality is it's like, um, think for yourself, like exactly take all of your experience, all of your knowledge, the context that you're in, make the best decision possible, but just don't do something because other people were doing it or because you did it that one time and it worked. Mm-hmm. Right. I think like the critical thinking part of this is, is important. Okay. I just went off on a tangent. What's no, your, what, it's, what do you have to it's say? It's fine. And that's kind of on point though. It's just like, just because a startup does it, just because a 14, 500 fortune, well, fortune 500 company does it doesn't mean you have to do it. Some things make sense in that environment. And then when you bring it down to your environment in the small business world, it doesn't make sense anymore. Right. Like yeah. in the startup, I, I think I'm repeating a point now, but like the equity investor makes sense because you need the money. And when they pay you a lot, that's chill. But when they're paying you a little bit amount of money, now you don't have the benefit of having a lot of money. You don't have the benefit of the expertise a lot of these VCs bring. But now you're making your short-term decisions to appease some investor that gave you twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? Yeah. And that becomes dangerous because whereas a startup wants to blow up real quick and either it works or it doesn't, we try and exit. A small business is almost never. No one's like creating small businesses to exist for two years. It's kind of the long-term dream, right? And if you take a small business and you make short-term decisions like that, and you kind of try to appease this outside investor, you could screw up your entire, you know, small business, which is supposed to exist for 10, 20, you know, maybe more years. And like, now you got to put up with them forever. Right. It's true. Yeah. And I think we were talking about this too. And I think it was, it's like also a little related to the tangent that I was going on of like, um, so many, it's like, 
so many people giving advice out there that don't really have the experience to back it up or so many people taking advice or taking from their experience without critically thinking about the new context that they're in. I just feel like common sense and critical thinking is like such a novel quality in people today when they should just be like <laughs> basic things that, that we all have. I feel like we all like it's this desire to have the growth hack or the shortcut or this and that. And it's just like, just tell me exactly what to do when I'm going to do that thing instead yep. of thinking for yourself. Cause I think in a lot of these examples that we've provided, if people just like stop for a minute, use their common sense, thought critically about the situation that they were in, they wouldn't make some of these bad decisions that, that are being made. And so I almost mm -hmm. feel like we have this like crisis of like not appreciating how important those two qualities are. And, mm -hmm. um, and especially in the context, I think of building a small business, so much of it is just figuring it out as you go and, and really leaning on those two things. Yeah. The thing is, is like nowadays there's so much information to a point where there is also so much bad information. So you kind of have to sort through it and figure out what's good, what's right for your business, what's even true. And I'm totally going to talk shit about LinkedIn for a second, but there's a lot of advice on LinkedIn and also different parts like business blogs, Facebook groups or whatever that is either outright wrong. Like I've seen plenty of tax advice, small business advice that is outright legally compliance wise wrong, wrong, yeah. right? There's advice that's wrong. There's advice from people who've never done it before. One of my favorite things is people that always talk about thought leadership when they're not thought leaders themselves or people <laughs> that talk about how much business they get through whatever marketing channel they want to say. And they got a day job. You know, it's just like, you've got so much, so many people out here just giving advice and they have an audience and it's not always good for every influencer. That's like one of you guys, that's either like, you know, a Megan bone or Chris Walker or whatever. There's like 10, 15 crappy influencers giving just crappy advice. And everyone's just kind of like, Oh, well they got 30, 40,000 followers. We'll listen to it. But it's just like, first off, it's bad advice. Second off, you have to see if it applies to you and you have to critically think, does this make sense to my business? can I apply this or is this just nonsense? Maybe it makes sense in another industry. Maybe it makes sense at a different stage. And it's low key a problem. It is. And I think it's like, you know, I've, I've had, I've been in my career 15 plus years and I've only really started sharing, you know, my own journey and my content. It was beginning of 2019. And it was sort of at that point where I felt like I have, a, I've had a lot of experience. I've personally made a lot of mistakes. I've learned a lot. I've been in a lot of different contexts and I have an opinion on a few things that I want to, you know, go deep on. Um, it's sort of that like patience too. It's like, there is a sense of needing to like have the experience, do the work, make mistakes. Um, and then being able to reflect on that and synthesize it and then share that out, which is important. But even that, like I got someone uh, DM'd me on LinkedIn um, last week and they were like, Hey, like um, entrepreneurship magazine would um, wants to talk with a customer success person on like online reviews and ratings. And I immediately thought of you because you do customer success. Um, you know, do you want to do this web webinar? It sounds really cool. And I was like, it does sound really cool. Like I know that magazine, like I would like to be involved, but I'll be honest with you. I don't really and I don't have much experience in like online reviews or driving ratings for that. Like I get that it's in the customer success world, but like I could probably BS my way through it, but I'm like, yeah. I don't got nothing to say about that. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, 
thank you for telling me that. And he was like, I'll keep you in mind for other topics or let me know some things that you do care about. And he made the comment. He was like, it's really cool that you did that because I feel Mm -hmm. like someone else would have just been like, yeah, I'll do it. And then would have just said whatever. Um, and so it's just like knowing what you know and what you don't know. Right. Um, and even like I'm part of refine labs right now, but I don't have a demand marketing background. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a demand marketer by association. Now I've learned a ton over the last year, but when someone asked me a question about marketing. And if I don't know the answer, my answer is, I don't know. Let's go ask Chris Walker. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. It was a very good answer also, you know, and maybe it's more prevalent in like the kind of like legal and accounting fields where it's like there's right and wrong, but like Mm -hmm. sometimes BSing your way through doesn't do anything for anyone. It -hmm. takes a lot of knowledge to know you know, I don't know this. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know this. Uh, I'm sorry. I can find you someone that knows this. Right. But the problem is that right now out there, the majority of advice is hell yeah, I'll jump on that webinar. I don't know anything about. Yep. Right. And I'll just BS it or I'll do some BS research beforehand. And you'll see it all the time where it's just like you listen to a webinar or whatever. And you're just like, wow, I just wasted 45 minutes. And it feels like I just listened to a regurgitated blog post where it's yep. like the same five tips. And you're just like, wow. And then people say webinars don't work. You know, it's just like, it's the bad advice. It's the bad content. It's the bad, you know, stuff out there that screws everything up for everyone. It's true. So I have a question for you. You, you've, I'm sure you've heard of uh, the cliche fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, and as we've been talking about it, you know, I think maybe, maybe at a point in my, in my earlier career, I, I embraced like the feeling of that in the sense of like, kind of wanting to show up with maybe a little bit more confidence than maybe you deserved, like just given your, you know, your sort of point in life or your experience that you're in. Um, but especially now, like, I don't know that whole phrase and just kind of like, why don't you just make it and then not fake it? <laughs> and then, like, I don't know. So what, what, what is that? What does that cliche conjure up for you? I think there's a place for it. Um, and you just kind of have to see with a lot of these things, like how far you kind of take it and how reasonable you're being with it. For example, along with that phrase, we're all, we've all been talking about imposter syndrome. To a certain extent, the problem with imposter syndrome isn't that you don't know what you're doing. It's just that you feel like you don't. And in that case, fake it till you make it overcome the imposter syndrome until you have the confidence that, yeah, I do know what the hell I'm talking about. On the other hand, don't fake it till you make it to the point where you're straight up BSing people, people and like being a guru, like I'm an accountant by trade. You know, it's okay to say, you know, take a little bit of a step outside my comfort zone and fake it there and be like, yeah, I can figure this out. It's another thing for me to turn around tomorrow and go, I'm a d- demand gen marketer. Here's my course. Here's my, you know, hardcore sales page. You know, there's varying degrees of fake it till you make it. And sometimes a little bit of it is good, right? Sometimes you're on the discovery call and the client is like, do you do X? And it's like a little bit outside your purview. And you're just like, I can figure out X. Yeah, I do X, you know, <laughs> that kind of, you know, fake it till you make it isn't necessarily bad. You know, you have to, move outside your comfort zone a little bit to learn, but like be realistic and don't screw your client with it. That's also a thing. It's just some people fake it till they make it to the point where they just, they're just straight up screwing their client. And it's just like, how do you go to sleep at night? You know, like not even like, 
you know, I'm not saying like karma is a thing, but like, how do you sleep with yourself? You just screwed a person, you know? I know. Well, if I'm reading you correctly, it seems like, I suppose with most things in life, um, fake it or make it, use it in, in moderation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in those instances you described. So we've been having a fun, a little bit ranting and complaining on this topic. Um, but what are some things that people can be thinking about? So like, what if, like, what if there is a small business owner that, um, is looking for advice, right. Or, um, you know, what if they're experiencing a challenge and they're not sure where to turn, like kind of, instead of like blindly following all of the noise and the advice or trying to implement a playbook from a big company, um, what are some things that people can do, um, in order to kind of like break out of this trap and break out of this cycle? Um, it's a few different things. And when you're a brand new business owner, it's tough because you don't really have that BS sensor yet for all these kind of business gurus are trying to BS you. Mm-hmm. I think it's a few things. One, you know, you have to be very sure what your desired outcome is and not let other people kind of sway you away from that. If you started your business for XYZ reason, it's your business. That's why you started it. That's the reason. Don't let people tell you you're doing your business wrong. Right. So that's one thing because all the advice will try and take you and veer you away from whatever your core reason was. And the second thing is, you kind of have to seek out the sources that aren't BS. And that's a lot easier said than done. But sometimes it comes from surrounding yourself with legitimate business owners that have run their own businesses or people that are legitimately knowledgeable about business, you know? And like, there are some books and stuff, but it's usually not the most popular book in the industry. That's good advice. It's usually just, it's popular for a reason because it's real easy and everyone goes, yeah. But the best advice is kind of hidden away. It's, you know, your accountant, your lawyer, your <clears throat> person at the chamber of commerce, you know, that actually does business that knows things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For that. I like that. And I think, um, I mean, I just keep coming back to, um, and this is something that I try to remind myself of on a, on a daily basis. Like whenever I am, um, confronted with a problem or a challenge in my business that I need to solve. Um, the first thing that I do is I think through it on my own. Um, I try to like break down and actually get to the root cause of the problem. It's really easy to, um, get caught up in symptoms or surface level things and try to solve those, but not actually really identify and solve Mm -hmm, the core thing that's causing all those problems. Right. So I try to go through my own like problem solving exercise to really like, what is the problem? Like what is really going on here? Um, and then it's like just thinking through from a common sense perspective of like, what are my options? Like, what are the different things that I could do to solve it? Right. And then once you like have clarity on the problem, you have a few options on the table, then you can get into the like, okay, like let's evaluate which one of these options might be better. Honestly, it's really at that point where if I'm going to seek input or advice from someone else, it's really at that point where it's like, okay, you know, um, I know someone that I think has been through something similar, I'm going to kind of bring them through my thought process, right? Of, I think this is my problem. Here are some of the options that I have. I think this is the right one, but like, what do you think? Right. And Mm -hmm. it's like, instead of like trying to load off your work to other people of like problem solving and figuring this out, it's like, actually just think about it. Um, make your pros and cons list, like get to the root of the problem. Right. And, um, I definitely think it's, it's, um, I definitely think it's a good idea to like take feedback from others and get outside input. Right. But it has to be a trusted source. And I think that 
that type of input is most impactful when you can actually go to them and say, like, I've been thinking about this for a minute. And like, here's how my, you know, here was my thought process for the problem diagnosis. Here was how I was thinking about solutions. This is why I think this is the best one, you know, but what do you think now that I've laid out all this context for you? And so I just feel like I know, you know, I know what it's like to build a business. It's super busy. There's a lot of pressure. You want to just move quickly. You want just, you want someone to tell you the answer so that you can do it, but there's no shortcuts. And and that's honestly, regardless of what the problem is, like that is what I do. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and that's what I recommend people think about because you, you, you usually have all the answers in your head and, Mm -hmm. or if you don't, then you need to take the time to clarify um, what you're really asking Yep. other people to, to put their input on. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a much better way of phrasing than I did. You should have yourself as a guest, but that's <laughs> kind of the thing, you know, a lot of the advice is a good advice. Yes, but it's not tailored to your situation and you have to know where your situation is at first. You know, what is your true problem? Yep. Right. Cause you know, advice can only be so specific when you blast it on the internet, if you want to have anyone read it. So it has to kind of get generalized along the way. That's the problem with a lot of niche advice, like tax advice and legal advice. It gets generalized as it gets put on the internet, but like your specific problem might be slightly different than whatever advice you're running to read. So like, like you're saying, like spend some time to really think about where you're at, where your business is at, where your problem is at. Then get the advice and see if it meshes with what you're doing. Yep. Totally. Mm-hmm. All right, Michael, I got two more questions for you that I always like Please. to wrap up with. So future cast 10 years from now, it's 2031. You're living in Manhattan. <laughs> what do you hope is, what do you hope is true? Uh, you have a boat. It's, it's great. Manhattan um, and a boat. I got a lot of money. <laughs> Um, what do you hope is true based on what we're talking about today? I hope there's more good small business advice because it does a little pain me a little bit to see it, that everyone kind of starts their own business for the same reason, you know, to kind of live a better life. And then while they're getting it off the ground, they kind of get sidetracked by whatever, you know, shyster or guru or crappy advice is out there and they kind of lose sight of it. And there's just like a lot of entrepreneurs that are just, they're straight up struggling because, there's all this advice about like, you know, marketing and sales, but like no one's there to help them with invoicing, you know? And it's just like, that's part of the business. There's no advice about it out there. And I wish there was more kind of operations type stuff, mm-hmm. back office type stuff for new entrepreneurs, not even new entrepreneurs. Like anyone that's been in a business less than 10 years, there's probably something they can learn, something they can optimize, you know? And that kind of advice isn't really out there unless you want to like pay someone a lot of money to come in and like take the big business playbook and like stick it in your business. Yeah. Right? And and it's so like underappreciated. I mean, even at um, my, I'm, I'm a chief customer officer, but I'm sort of a COO as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, really it's like you're, you're the glue within the organization. It's like collecting the AR. It's like ordering the laptops for your new employees, like refreshing your job postings on LinkedIn, like making yeah. sure your, your service delivery process is working. There's all of the, the non-glamorous work, but like all that stuff is really, really important, right? It makes the money. Yep. Absolutely. Um, well, this was fun. We kind of ranted a little bit on this, a little bit on that. Um, but if there was one takeaway that you wanted people to leave this conversation with, what, what's that one thing? I guess it's almost two things, but they're the same thing. One, like you were saying, know what the problem is. And on the flip side of it, know what your desired outcome is. 
right? Because a lot of people will try and tell you to do it your way. And I guess to a certain extent, I'm saying that do it my way. I'm the smart one, or you're saying that, but then at the end of the day, who the hell are we? We're just voices, you know, on a podcast. It's your business. It's your life. It's your everything, you know, to a certain extent, maybe you may not be super knowledgeable in the area, but you do know better because you're living it, you know, only, you know, your problem, only, you know, your desired outcome. And, you know, if you want your desired outcome to be, I take off Fridays, you know, who the hell am I to tell you not to do that? Right. Yeah. And I think also it's interesting, like a a lot of the things that I try to talk about and like why I even started this, this podcast is, um, my goal is actually not to necessarily, um, lay out a prescriptive playbook of what people should do. My goal is to, uh, encourage and challenge people to think differently and to think for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of, um, appropriate, you know, um, experience and context and lessons learned that you can share. Um, but, but with the end goal being not that the, not that the people listening to it blindly follow the advice, um, but that when they hear that it, um, it, you know, causes them to take pause, to, to self-reflect, to think about how that might, um, you know, resonate with them or impact them, um, and then decide to take an action or not take an action on, on a result of that. Right. Like, I think for me, that's, that's really my goal because I feel like the, the more people that can embrace that and kind of take their power back and think for themselves, like the better our future will be. I think what I, you know, you hear, you watch black mirror or the other like dystopian future shows of just like people going along with like what everybody else is telling them Mm -hmm. to do. And I think like my worst nightmare is like, not having the agency to think and act for myself and to feel, to feel free. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from. And like a lot Mm -hmm. of the content I put out is really in an attempt to sort of provoke thought and discussion, as opposed to like, I know everything and this is exactly what you should do. Yeah. (laughs) Outside advice should bolster your own thoughts, not replace them. Yes. Well said, Michael. Right. I've that had some might time have to been think. your best one-liner of this whole conversation. Isn't that the worst? Let's just edit out the rest of this. <laughs> um, this was fun. Um, I was really glad we had a chance to meet and have the conversation. Where can people find you? I heard a rumor that you're the cutest accountant on LinkedIn. It's not a rumor. It's the truth. Uh, <laughs> if you, I found out earlier today, if you Google cutest account, LinkedIn's cutest accountant, I actually come up. It's a joke that's gone a little too far. I got stickers. Hold on. For the people watching the video, we got, oh, it's backwards. Forget it. It's stickers. They're cute. You should want one. Anyway, um, LinkedIn's cutest accountant, right? Follow me in my small business ramblings on LinkedIn. Or if you want actual real advice, uh, go to, I mean, this is in my website, but if you type in hashtag Michael.com, it'll redirect you, right? Because no one will remember to spell my last name. Hashtag Michael. Y'all spell it out. Redirects you. Join the newsletter, Right no selling. It's just 700 words words ish of advice about all the boring operations stuff in your business. Mm -hmm. Boring, but critical. Right. Thank you you so much, Michael. It was great to have you on the show and love the conversation. Absolutely. 